Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Marcus Parks. Hi, Ben. Hello, Marcus. All right, we had a couple of corrections. You ready for Correction Corner? Always. Okay, Martha McSally, she's running for Senate in Arizona. She's going for Jeff Flake's former seat, not John McCain's. Ah. And she is quite close with Donald Trump, and she's getting closer every day. Also, want to bring up uh, Heidi Heidkamp out of North Dakota. She's already, I mean, she's down by double digits. She voted no on Kavanaugh. So the Republicans are probably going to take back uh, North Dakota. The Senate continues to look bleak for the Democrats, but I have some better news coming up for you. A little bit later on in the episode, we are going to talk about the House of representatives. Oh, you gonna make me wait for good news? Yes, a little bit. And <laughs> of course, you know, they do such a great job of representing us. They're currently at 18% approval rating. Perfect. So if you're ever depressed and you feel like you have no friends, at least you're not in the House <laughs> or Congress in general. Um, also, I want to tell you a little bit about this regarding Kanye West and uh, Kid Rock. We had some good laughs with them at the White House. Obviously, Kanye West, Superman himself, ah. when he puts on his MAGA hat. Why were they at the White House? They were at the White House for an interesting bill that was passed. Now, will it be implemented? That's going to be difficult to do, but it's called the Music Modernization Act. Basically, our music licensing laws haven't been updated since like 1909. They're still based on sheet music. Yeah. And because of Spotify and all the streaming services, just none of the money is is going to the artist. So in a nutshell, these are going to uh, create a database of the songs, who created the songs, who owns the right to those songs, and then try to get money to the people who actually deserve it. Because right now, as I'm sure many of our listeners who are musicians know, it's impossible. You can't make mu- you can't make money off of music whatsoever because everything is free. So you tend to have to go on tour and work your fingers to the bone uh, to try to make ends meet, and that's not right because. Uh, we need more singer-songwriters in this country. It's an American tradition. That's right. All right. So I also want to just mention here briefly, when it comes to uh, Khashoggi, of course, now this is uh, the Washington Post journalist. One correction, he was murdered in Turkey. He was killed at the consulate in Istanbul, Mm -hmm. not in Saudi Arabia. And he is not a U.S. citizen. He is a U.S. resident, nonetheless. International scandal, for sure. And we're going to get into a little bit about what they actually did to him. So it 
it'll sound a little bit like last podcast on the left here for a second. <laughs> yeah, well, when we first talked about this story, it was just it breaking. It was just breaking, yeah. So there was a, yeah, there wasn't a hell of a whole lot of information out about that at uh, that time. But now, a week later, there is a hell of a lot more information, and a lot more has happened since then. Absolutely. So what happened to this poor journalist, Jamal Khashoggi, who, by the way, he had just finished writing a column. This is his final column, and it was entitled, What the Arab World Needs Most is Free Expression. Mm -hmm. So this obviously angered the crown prince in Saudi Arabia. He gets him to the consulate again in Turkey, and what they did was horrendous. They ended up cutting off all of his fingers. He (sighs) ended up being beheaded. They say he was tortured for around seven minutes. There's audio recordings of some individual who was there being like, guys, can you take this outside? You're going to get me in trouble. Please Mm -hmm. don't murder this man uh, in our in our uh, consulate. It sounded you heard the screams, uh, you know, those kinds of things, really brutal stuff. And despite that fact, Donald Trump is still siding with the Saudi government, specifically with the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman who said it was an accident. accident. That's what he believes. Accidental bone sawing. An accidental... (laughs) How many times has that happened? You know when you stub a toe or cut off someone's fingers? (laughs) Accidents happen here, people. So Donald Trump, for a series of reasons, is siding with the Saudi government and saying, okay, we'll have them investigate themselves. And I guarantee you the Saudi government comes back with the, it was a slip and fall. Yeah, it was a slip and fall. It was just a little slip and fall where he got beheaded and all of his fingers were gone and he was tortured for seven minutes. And it's not a series of reasons. It's one reason. Money. That's of it. course. It's just money. Donald Trump has a lot of investments over in Saudi Arabia. This is, um, by the, I mean, you know, this is nothing new for the United States government. I, our tie with Saudi Arabia, this is why when we talk about clean energy, when we talk about getting off of oil, uh, this is a good reason to do that yeah. because then we don't have to deal with this horrible regime, which, by the way, this guy, is a, the crown prince, Bin Salman, is supposed to be the big reformer, but... My understanding is they've just gone backwards. All of that was a facade. Women still aren't driving. The the religious police are a very real thing. You can have a policy uh, that says one thing, but as long as the uh, culture is the same, nothing is going to change. So this is a situation where Donald Trump once again has taken the side of the strong man. It reminds me of what happened with Otto Warmbier. Of course, Otto Warmbier was arrested in North Korea tortured came back he was he was basically dead when he came back they say his teeth were rearranged every bone in his body was broken and at that point donald trump actually did have a little bit of sympathy but of course it only went as far as his political needs so now it's a now kim jong-un he loves him he yeah. actually expresses uh how much he loves him yeah, so yeah. this is just another situation where as americans where you would like to see our president stand up for our morals yeah i understand we're not a perfect country here but you got to stand up for our morals specifically Specifically when it comes to uh, this journalist being murdered again in Turkey, when we talk about his war on the press, when he talks about uh, you know going after the fake news, he's always discussing fake news. It's scary to think that this journalist was killed and Donald Trump's reaction was less than empathetic. Yeah. I, I just don't know how you don't at least convey empathy. It was a shrug. 
Uh, it was he, a total it, shrug. It was a shrug, like, ah, what are you going to do? Well, not just a shrug. It was a straight-up defense yeah. of the Saudi government. Yeah, yeah, he a, got off the phone with me. He's like, I believe them. They're going to investigate. Are you kidding me? Yeah, of course. I mean, well, it's not just his investments. It's not just oil. It's also arms. Like, don't forget, we got about a good $80 billion deal going with Saudi Arabia when it comes to arms. Saudi Arabia buys a lot of weapons yes, from do. the United States. And Donald Trump even, I mean, he even addressed that specifically. He of said course. it would be foolish for us to uh, to throw that away. And again, former presidents have been forced to compromise morally when it comes to Saudi Arabia and a series of our engagements so mm-hmm. with nations overseas. Uh, we've supported people that were absolutely horrible. Uh, look no further than the 1980s with the Iran-Contra scandal, uh, dealing with uh, you know arming, arming the individuals there who were just terrorists, basically, yeah. that we chose to arm then. So, uh, But if he could just have a little bit of nuance, just a small amount of intelligence when addressing the nation on this horrific murder, it would be nice. No, it, it would be nice. It, it, would be, it would be amazing. I mean, it's we're all so fatigued. At this yes. point, like the 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 Trump fatigue, I think right now is is stronger than it ever has been. I it, mean, I think yeah. Ka- Kavanaugh wore us out. Uh, this is wearing us out even further but because it war- just never ends. There is the war out thing again. We got 19 days out. We're just over two weeks out of the midterms from the midterms. So stay energized. If the polling looks good for the Democrats, yeah. generic ballots when it comes to congrat when it comes to House districts, they're up by seven points. So it looks good, but you gotta stay energized. Because this is this is when you're running a marathon, you're starting to cramp up. You know, it's getting really hard. Have an energy bar and keep on pushing because we're almost to the finish line. Yeah, stay energized and just get just stay energized enough to go to the polls. Yeah, just get get up and walk and go do yeah, that thing yeah, as just, we mentioned last week. The yeah. really boring thing. Just yeah, go do it. Yeah, just go do it. Uh, and also make sure, like, if you if you can't make it on election day, be sure to check out what absentee ballots are required mm-hmm. of you because I know here in New York City we have to we're going to be in Texas yes. uh, when the election happens so uh here in new york city we have to print off a form yeah, it's, it's mail it so in and <laughs> to print off a form fill it out mail it in and then wait for the absentee ballot to come back so right. you know every and every single state has different voting laws i mean every single one of them make it hard as po- as hard as possible for you to vote so make sure you know every what you need when you need it like as a what was it uh, i can't remember what state it was well that they just put in a idea they put in laws where you can't vote with a student id anymore you have to now have it's, your driver's license like the voter id right. laws are different in every single state and you have to be educated on what your voter id laws are and let your neighbors know what your voter id's law what your voter id laws are in your state yeah just go talk to your neighbor who sits on his porch with a shotgun all day drinking moonshine <laughs> you'll be totally safe don't worry about it no what you're talking about and we'll get into this in a couple of minutes here is the georgia voting purge uh it's very interesting adams is an African-American female. She is running for governor. She would be the first African-American female to be uh, governor of any state. Yeah. And so they're purging a lot of people of color, a lot of them. And is that just a coincidence? Who knows? Her opponent, well, we can just get into it now. Stacey Adams' opponent, Brian Kemp. Interesting, Marcus. Did you know this? He's in charge of the voter roll. Oh, is he now? He is in charge <laughs> of who can vote in the state of Georgia, and he is running for governor. Can you even? That is crazy. 
when it comes to conflict of interest, how can't you can't get anybody else in the state of Georgia to be in charge of voting rolls and who can vote and who's allowed to vote and who's not allowed to vote other than an actual candidate who's on the ballot? That is one of the most nefarious things yeah. I have ever heard in my life. At this point, they're saying when it comes to the African-American vote, there's around over 50,000. They say 53 to 56 thousand african-americans that are currently purged and what they're doing is blaming stacy adams for it mm-hmm. saying when she was collecting the registration from these people they didn't fill out the paperwork just right and i had a chance last year when i was running for brooklyn borough president when i did some petitioning it is a colossal pain in the ass you need their address their date of birth their name has to be spelled correctly and, and people they can't sign they have to print and then sign it is, there are just so many ways. Let's say someone leaves their apartment number off, no longer a valid registration. That person has been purged from the voting polls, from the voting rolls. So it is a difficult thing to do. 56,000 is a hell of a lot of people to kick off a ballot. We have a constitutional right to vote in this country, but you wouldn't know it when you look at states like Georgia. Absolutely not. I mean, uh, there is a, a concerted effort in this country that's been going on for many decades now if not if not for the entire history of our country uh, in which uh, the establishment does not want you to vote they, they don't want it they do not want people to vote uh, and it's especially uh, Republicans do not want you to vote there's much better at it. I'll yeah. tell you that much. They're very good at purging voter rolls. They're mm-hmm. very good at suppressing votes. They're very good at making sure uh, that anybody who might vote against them cannot vote at all. Right. Uh, the Republicans do not believe in democracy. Let me say that again. They do not believe that everyone in our country should vote. It's a republic. It's a republic. <laughs> um, and of Either course, or. obviously, with our laws regarding felon voting and things like that, uh, it's it should be much easier. And I completely agree with you. Voting, it's a constitutional right, and it should not. You should not have to jump through hurdles uh, to vote. No. I also want to talk a little bit. You mentioned you mentioned how Republicans, uh, specifically going back to our example in Georgia, purging people. There's the notion that somehow. Uh, Democrats want open borders. This is what Donald Trump was talking about today, of course, constantly trying to change the conversation from calling Stormy Daniels horse face to whatever it might be. I mean, it's so ridiculous. You can't even make this stuff up anymore. But when it comes to immigration, that's one of the Republican talking points, open borders, the Democrats want them. So we have a situation happening right now where we have a lot of people coming from Ecuador, Honduras. I see them as refugees. They are fleeing war-torn countries. And as we've talked about, the drug cartels, they're worse than ISIS. In 2016, the only country that had more murders, more death was Mexico. The next one was Syria. I mean, we're talking, it's crazy here. So I do see them as refugees. And I also see them as a key component to our economic culture, to uh, to jobs in this country. According to the department, and this is what I was supposed to go on Fox News and talk about today. But I was bumped because they want to talk about Rod Rosenstein more. Eh. I'm so sick of talking about Rod Rosenstein. (laughs) We all are. Okay, so We're all sick of talking about everything. I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) No, and our audience isn't sick of listening no, either. Not, not if sick anyone's of sick of oh, that, that's not good for business. <laughs> oh no, 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 that's not what I mean. That's not what I, I take it back. I take it back. I take it back. Um, I was bumped so they could talk about Rod Rosenstein. Evidently, of course, the deputy AG there. Uh, evidently, he may have worn a wire when talking to Donald Trump. Again, as I joked about, just give Donald Trump the number to Fox and Friends. You don't need a wire. No, you don't need to secretly tape Donald Trump. Look at his Twitter and listen to him talk. He lets it all out. 
Yeah. Uh, so no need for that. And of course, Rosenstein is in charge of the Mueller investigation. He could do away with it if he wants to, but of course he won't. And a lot of people are speculating that Mueller will come out with his report after the midterms. And Rosenstein is sort of alluding to the uh, fact that they will make them public. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have to. Yeah. Which keep that in mind. There is a possibility that Mueller just releases this thing and Congress just keeps it classified. Yeah. Which would make everyone's head explode. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, so they bumped me to talk about Rod Rosenstein. But we, I wanted to talk about immigration um, because Donald Trump, obviously, he wants to rally his base. He's thrown in that red meat like they used to throw the Christians to the lions in Rome mm. and uh, making the audience real happy. And so he sends out this tweet talking about how Democrats want open borders, talking about how we're having caravans of Ecuadorians coming over in Hondurans, coming over the border. And what's happening is there are a lot of people coming over the border, most of them seeking asylum, all of them knowing that they will most likely be put into a detention center for a time being. And then we'll figure out what to do with them, either deport them back or uh, attempt to integrate them into society. Of course, there is no path to integrate anymore. And when it comes to what I was talking about earlier regarding our workforce, over half of the jobs, according to the Department of Agriculture, half of farm workers are undocumented workers. Half of them. That is huge. We also have a situation because of ICE where farmers, these just middle class, a lot of whites, a lot of rural, a lot of Trump supporters, if they do get found with undocumented workers working for them. Now they're in trouble. Yeah. So a lot of people are on the chopping block here. Also, if you look at the numbers, 15% of construction workers, undocumented workers. We definitely need more construction workers as that industry is continuing to boom. 24% of people who are like maids or in the cleaning service industry. Those are undocumented workers. Thank you for what you do, by the way. And I apologize for every hotel room they've ever had to clean of mine. It's never a good experience for them. I am sure of that. Yeah, because you turn it up to 90 degrees <sighs> and it turns into a hot house and everything's wet. I don't know how to not be disgusting in hotels. <laughs> I'm literally, the last time I was in, we were at Pygmalion. Yeah. It- I ended up eating a salad with my hands. <laughs> and, and I had a fork. But I'm just like, you know what? Let, let it fly. Who cares? <laughs> My gosh, so they are really, they're saints. And that industry, when it comes to hotels and uh, the cleaning service industry maids, that's booming. They say by 2024, they're going to need 124,000 more. So we need workers in this country. And then we also have the situation when it comes to personal care and homemades. This is one of the ultimate ironies. There are currently, it's a, it's an older person's job. A lot of baby boomers occupy this profession, personal care and home health aides. The irony is these baby boomers who may support Donald Trump's immigration policies, they're going to need uh, a lot of care yeah, in the future. Quite a bit. And I don't know who they think is going to give it to them because their kids stop talking to them. And, uh, <laughs> after, and, yeah, but <laughs> and post-2016, after they wouldn't shut up about Trump and got real aggressive and Maybe. really intense about it and their kids stopped talking to them, uh, yeah, it's they're gonna need uh, a right. couple. Of, they're gonna need a Filipino nurse or two. Oh, maybe, or yeah. someone from Honduras. They estimate that that is going to be nearly a million jobs where these baby boomers, once they're in hospice, once they need to be taken care of, a million jobs will need to be filled, and these jobs just simply are not being filled by 
not not just white Americans by um, by generational citizens by right. people who have been here for multiple generations. They're service industry jobs, and and sort of historically those jobs go to newer uh, individuals. Yeah, and the reason why I bring up Filipinos because I was thinking about uh, this thing that happened in you know that's actually happening in Japan right now uh, is that Japan has a gigantic elderly population, and a lot of the people that moved in to take care of them uh, were ended up being Filipino. Oh, okay. Uh, so now like Japan is starting to get a bigger Filipino population uh, and Japan is you know of course like notoriously xenophobic to the point where the proud boys point to Japan yes. as the uh, you know they, they point to them as the bastion of xenophobia the alt the alt-right loves Japan God, because they love they, Japan so for much their, for their racism yes, for their racism <laughs> they, they, it's like it, it's a, a uh, beacon on the hill oh of racism God. Japan is uh, but Japan is I mean but they're having to change their ways as well because they need them like that's the thing is that we need these people our economy is predicated on immigrant labor and the thing is everyone says well they're illegal i'm not talking about immigration there is no path right now every door has been closed so there is no option but to be undocumented get them documented uh, then we can track people then we can have them start paying taxes and then we can continue to grow our economy it's exactly. pretty simple but of course in this xenophobic time and with donald trump's xenophobic rhetoric trying to get some votes out trying to energize for the midterms rationale and actual economics are out the window because we're scared of the hordes and hordes of people coming over the southern border. Well, you want to cut immigrants out of this country, then you got to remake our entire economy. Yeah, from of the, course. From the ground up. You have to remake everything if you cut immigrants out of the equation. I go all over the country. Marcus and I go all over the country. And I go to countless small businesses, mostly bars. bars. Um, <laughs> no, Marcus, they're small businesses. Okay? Unless I go to a Dave & Buster's or a, or a Buffalo Wild Wings, they're a little bit bigger. I go to small businesses too. Comic book shops, record stores. Okay, record stores. <laughs> so we're both we're both at our small businesses, and I talk to a lot of the owners of these places. The number one issue they have, the number one issue they have, is finding good workers. Yeah, they just can't. So this whole idea that the immigrants are taking our jobs, it's a lie. It's a misnomer, and these jobs need to be filled. They're not taking our jobs. They're filling our jobs. Anyway, that's what I wanted to discuss today on Fox News. And uh, I wasn't able to, again, because they had to talk about Rod Rosenstein. Of course, in this uh, modern America, I'm not a victim here. Yeah. And I'm not pretending. Um, but I had three and a half minutes to make it. <laughs> three and a half minutes to make it famous, and I, I wasn't able to get there. I mean, you, you make a good point. Immigrants are not taking your jobs. They are filling jobs that we yes. need. The people who are taking jobs are corporations. Multinational corporations. The robots. That take your jobs. Give them the robots. Take your jobs and give them to other countries where they don't have to pay them anything. It's not immigrants that are taking your jobs. It is your boss that is taking your job. It's 101. Blame it on the others. It's, uh, it's it, right in front of our faces. Uh, automation taking uh, taking our jobs. But then again, there are, if, if you're creative, as I talked about, I've talked about this on TV before as well. There are new places now to get jobs, more jobs than ever before in, in unique places, such as Twitch, for example. Mm -hmm. I had a chance to mention Holden McNeil. He has a full-time job 
playing video games. Could not be happier. Yeah. And only only in America or Japan or China. Think <laughs> U- UK also does. Maybe it, the UK also. There's, a, there's but actually quite, only quite a in few America. countries that, that, yes. that do Twitch. All right. <laughs> Nonetheless. You know, it's kind of the World Wide Web. I understand it's a World Wide Web. <laughs> Don't tell the Chinese government that as Google goes along with their plans, uh, of course, to uh, to isolate them even further. We talked about that. On side stories, as a matter of fact, go listen to the last episode. We talked about the new social credit program Mm -hmm. going in China right now. They're going to have it fully implemented in 2020. Basically, you start with 70 points and you go down from there. If you stay at 70 or in the 60s, then you're a good citizen and you get cheaper hotel rooms. You might get some free flights, maybe a free uh, dinner here or there. You go low and you are the dregs of society. You can no longer do the vast majority of things that even so-called free Chinese citizens can do. And it is right out of Black Mirror, completely horrifying, and a great reminder, it's possible to happen here, and we have to be vigilant uh, to stop it. And I know you like your drones, I know they're kind of fun to play with and everything, but my God, just think about uh, being monitored 24-7 and what the government will do with that information. Well, and uh, Amazon is helping the whole thing along. Great. Uh, Thank you, Jeff Bezos, (laughs) as he becomes more muscular and bald, looks more like Lex Luthor every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, they are selling their facial recognition software to police departments uh, around the country. Uh, It is uh, becoming a reality uh, that facial recognition is going to be a part of our everyday lives. It's already... It is is going to... Like, facial recognition is going to be something uh, that we did not see coming. uh, And all of a sudden, I I think it's going to very suddenly become a a part of your life every single day. Every single day. Every single day. Especially those of us who live in cities. I mean, if you... Well, it's already happening in Midtown and places in uh, in Manhattan. It's really... It's expensive, but they're doing it. And uh, it's sad. So we have that. We have that the government tracking you, and then we also have people who are just willingly uh, allowing themselves to be tracked with their Fitbits mm-hmm. and a series of other things. I don't want to go too crazy, um, but you just be cautious of it because we are. It's happening right in front of our eyes, and it's happening very quickly. And the sad thing is, I don't know what the hell to do about it. You can't take down the cameras because they're watching you. <laughs> That's the number one problem. Did you remember that guy who took who tackled the uh, camera on the highway outside of D.C.? No. Just got out of his car and just leveled it. <laughs> it was pretty sweet. Uh, so anyway, that's happening in China. It's, it's truly, uh, truly horrifying stuff. Well, let's move on here. I think that's what we wanted to cover up top. Do you think so, Marcus? I believe so. All right. Yeah. Oh, and, but one more thing about okay. horse face. Could you Ugh. imagine if a secret recording came out of, like, President Obama, like Colin, I don't know, Sasha Gray, Horseface. The the worst thing that Obama ever did was call John, uh, Kanye West a jackass, <laughs> and I don't know, <laughs> but maybe just, he was onto something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just uh, the president commenting on the looks of of a porn star, even in private, would have been a gigantic. Oh, scandal. it would have been. Hu- oh my been- God, the biggest. It, there was a huge scandal when Donald Trump or when um, when Barack Obama was talking to Medvedev, 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 I think. The Russian president at the time, he had a hot mic moment saying that after the elections, they'll be able to work out a deal. They'll, he'll have a little bit more flexibility. And everyone freaked out everyone like he was a, out. he was working for the Kremlin. And now listen to what we have in the Oval Office with the president who openly uh, loves all of these people. Yeah, openly loves all of them. But the, the, the horse face thing, that was definitely like, that almost felt like a, that that's felt like 
pure psychological warfare. Like it felt like he's smart and he's trying well, to make all of it. It felt like he's trying to really uh, beat us down and to give <sighs> us that kind of fatigue because so, he knows it's not going to hurt him with the supporters and he knows it's only going to piss the rest of us off. Well, we're going to talk about that right now. White suburban, more educated voters, specifically women, they're falling away at record numbers when it comes to their support of Donald Trump. Back to the horse-faced Stormy Daniels tweet. He did that because Michael Avenatti brought a defamation suit against Donald Trump. That defamation suit uh, was dropped. Of course, one of the ironies of that is that Donald Trump believes that we should have stronger defamation laws because he doesn't (laughs) want anyone making fun of him. But he can say whatever he wants about anyone. Also, just right before we get into Congress here, I have a small movie review. Uh, Puffin and I are sadists. Uh-huh. Brooke, and, Brooke and I are sadists, apparently. We watched Dinesh D'Souza's hit film, um, Death of a Nation. You see oh. what he did there? And D- Dinesh D'Souza oh, yeah, I get it is, now. is yeah. crazy yeah, he is. because he tries to, first of all, he equated FDR to Hitler. And then he said that Hitler oh, oh. was a Jacksonian Democrat. One of the ultimate ironies is that Donald Trump is often compared to Andrew Jackson, and Donald Trump loves Andrew Jackson. That's maybe one of the few founding fathers that he knows, but he that's where the comparison is. There was it was just time and time and time again where he he I I I was talking someone DM'd me and he said I actually worked with him on this movie Hillary's America. And I was like, is he just totally ignorant to world and US history or is he just doing this to fit his political narrative? And he said it's the latter. He's like he isn't yeah. that stupid. He understands what he's doing. Uh he talks about how the Democrats were KKK and of course they were. Yes, we all know that. Yeah. Um but you have to look at modern day. Yeah, what's yeah, what's yeah. happening the now? The evolution. Yeah. So and I can, it was it was nuts. I mean, I I can. I've never fucking seen the movie, but I already can see how he compares FDR to Hitler. It's through social programs, right? Yes, that's it's through social programs. social programs. But that—that's the thing, though, is that I Ugh. can take a piece of shit and, like, you know, kind of work it out, and you know, but and sculpt it to make it look like a hamburger patty, uh-huh. and put it on a bun, you know, put lettuce and tomato, all oh. that, and I can put it right next to it, like a big juicy hamburger from Blue Collar Burger, Ooh. my favorite burgers yeah. in all of Brooklyn. Okay. Yes, very much so. Yeah, but compare it to that, and, you know, and it looks the same, mm-hmm. and you take a bite of it, and one of them's pure shit, and the other is a oh. tasty burger on a potato bun. Oh, no, I'm hungry. <laughs> No, no, I'm getting hungry. Yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. I mean, he might as well equated uh, have equated Harry Truman to Hitler or something. Yeah. I mean, it no, was I, I, it was actually quite offensive that he equated uh, our uh, Andrew Jackson to Hitler and then and then FDR to Hitler. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. It, and the whole thing. He also spoke with Richard Spencer, of course, the leader of the alt right, this identitarian. Uh, I don't know. Fall in love with a sports team or something. People are so in need of an identity. Yeah. You know, and it's just it's de- there's no. So many ways to give yourself an identity. Make your own. Make your own. Like, don't, Just be unique. Yeah, make your own. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a part of like fan culture. It uh, is. Where people, sure. you know, they identify themselves as I'm a Star Wars fan or they identify themselves. I'm a great. I'm a, a go pack go. You go know? pack go. And some people identify themselves as I'm a Trump fan. Sure. You know, I'm a I'm a Trump fan. You know, just, you know, and. You know, people also did the same thing with Hillary. People attach their identities to other people because it's a hell of a lot easier than developing your own. Absolutely. Because developing your own identity is terrifying. 
It's like hard. it's a lot of work, and I struggle <laughs> with it every day. Yeah, it's a lot of work, uh, and, and it's uh, and you know a lot of people don't have time to fucking work on something like that. Right, of course. I mean, you know, you, know, you just sit there. You got your office life. I mean, they want to beat you down just like a prison. They want to steal your identity. That's corporate culture yeah. is peeling away all of your identity uh, to make you just a drone, and then um, maybe you can get it back when you leave the office if you remember it. Maybe. So that I understand where it comes from, but again. Don't let hate lead your heart because it's all going to implode. Yeah. This whole... Anyway, going back to Richard Spencer, <laughs> Dinesh D'Souza was attempting to say that he was a socialist Democrat. And the whole time, Spencer was like, no, I'm I'm a right wing. Uh, I'm, I'm like the leader of the alt-right. Do you understand? He's like, no, but your ideas are liberal. And he's like, nope. No, they are not liberal. I am telling you, I am a right wing identitarian. And it's so... Anyway, D- Dinesh is just still very upset set that he committed campaign finance fraud and went to prison on the weekends even though he has been pardoned by the president little movie review there no need to watch it although it does go by fast yeah uh, because it's just we were just screaming at the tv and then i found myself being uh being slightly erratic and then (laughs) i I tried to catch myself these days, you can practically get everything on demand, like this show, Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. You can listen to me and Marcus Park just catch up on this week's politics whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. So why are you still taking trips to the post office to mail letters and packages when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? With Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, using your own computer and printer, and your local mail carrier picks it up. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. It couldn't be easier. Now I know I'm starting to sound like a broken record here, but Stamps.com has seriously made our lives here at LPN much, much easier. We have to send out a bunch of mail and packages each and every week, and being able to take care of all of our shipping needs right from the studio saves us a ton of time and money. Stamps.com is a must for any small business owner. If you want to spend less time mailing letters and sending out packages, I recommend Stamps.com. Right now, use Top Hat for this special offer. Includes up to $55 in free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Don't wait! Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Top Hat. That's Stamps.com. Enter Top Hat. Okay, let's move on. Here it is. The biggest, biggest news of uh, these next couple of weeks going forward. Let's talk about the House of Representatives. This is something that the Democrats can absolutely flip. So all 435 seats are up, every single one of them. And there are 69 out of this 435 seats that are considered to be competitive. When you hear that number, you hear 435 seats are up, only 69 competitive. That tells you what redistricting and gerrymandering has done for our country when it comes to having actual competitive elections. There should be more than that. Yeah. Uh, I want to say just right off the top, when it comes to voter turnout, there is a increase in enthusiasm uh, by 56%. That is 56% increase if you look at the primaries based on this year's primaries compared to 2014. We're up 56%. People are 56% more enthusiastic 
and th- this they year voted. than they Fif- were in 2014. 56% more people voted okay, in so the primaries. I, I wasn't sure what you meant by enthusiasm. Uh, well, yes, but that sort of is how you indicate enthusiasm okay. by who actually you know goes out and votes. Okay. So 56% increase. The, the, the sad part about that is it's, it's still one in five. <laughs> so the Democrats from voter turnout in 2014, how many people voted in the primaries? 4%. And they have got that up to 10%. Cool. And the Republicans are actually up a little bit as well when it comes to turnout. They were up 1.2 points to make their total uh, turnout 8.7. So it's not exactly like everyone's on fire. Yeah. Um, But nonetheless, the math is still there and the enthusiasm is more than in 2014. And a lot of people say that's because for all intents and purposes, Donald Trump is on the ballot. So for Trumpian Republicans, that that that's motivating for them. And then for the people who are just anti-Trump, just sick and tired of our president tweeting at adult film actresses and calling them horse face, uh, that's also very energizing for them. So both parties saw an increase. Now, who is more excited? This is this is consistent. As we've seen this for months, uh, for month after month after month, who is more excited? 59% of Republicans say that they're pretty excited, and 67% of Democrats say that they are excited. So that bodes well for the Democratic Party. So let's get back here to the House. What do they have to do? As I mentioned, 69 competitive seats. Of those 69 seats, 14 lean Democrat and 24 lean Republican. Of the 14 that lean Democrat, two of those seats are already in Democratic districts. So let's just remove those and say 12 seats for the Dems. And let's just give those 24 Republican leaning districts, let's just give those to the Republicans. So we have the Dems are now at 12. There are 31 seats that are toss-ups. Now, these are true toss-ups. No idea. It it changes. The polling is always within the margin of error. For all intents and purposes, they're at a tie right now. They're at a standstill. There are 31 of those. The Democrats need to get at least 23 seats. They need to pick up at least 23 seats in order to flip the House. The current numbers right now, the current breakdown is the Republicans have 235 seats and the Democrats have 193 seats with seven vacancies. So let's give the Democrats 12. Remember, we have to get up to 23. Mm -hmm. So I broke down which districts went for Obama and then voted for Donald Trump. Uh, And then what districts voted for Mitt Romney, then went for Hillary Clinton, and which districts voted for uh, Mitt Romney and then supported Donald Trump. An interesting thing when it comes to districts that went for Mitt Romney and also went for Donald Trump, for the most part, either it's basically tied where it's plus six uh, across the board. And then there are some jumps that you see that are just astronomical. If you look at, for example, in New York's 22nd district, Claudia Tenney is running against Anthony Brandisi. Claudia is the Republican uh, and also the incumbent, and Brandisi is the Democrat. Romney won that district by just 0.4%. Donald Trump carried that district by (laughs) 15.5%. 
So they were on fire. They were on the Trump train. And it would be really difficult for a district like that to be taken over by the Democrats. So let's just say, for the sake of argument, the districts that went for Romney and also for Trump um, are basically gone. And that's 12 of them. So that puts us at 17 seats. And again, remember, the Democrats, let's just already give them 12. All they need is 11 seats. So where are they going to pick up these seats? There are five districts that went for Obama and also for Hillary Clinton. So let's just say, and those those districts went for Hillary Clinton by a fairly high margin. For example, Carlos Curbalo, he's a Republican. He's running against Demi McCarcel. Powell, uh, Clinton won that by six points. Obama had that by 11 points. In the Florida 27th district, Maria Salazar is going against uh, Donna Shalala. Clinton won by 19 percentage points. Uh, Then you do have some closer districts like Washington's 8th district, where Diana Rossi is going against Kim Shear. Clinton only won that by three. But I would assume when you see uh, them going for Obama and going for Clinton, I don't see how Donald Trump has done anything anything to open their hearts no. and have them vote for, with the Republican Party. I don't see how any uh, district that went for Hillary Clinton could ever possibly go for Donald Trump. It seems it doesn't. Yeah, I, I don't know just, either. Yeah. So let's just give the Democrats those five, which puts them up to 17. And again, so we need to pick up at least six more seats. Now, this is kind of interesting. We heard about people voting for who voted for Barack Obama and then voted for Donald Trump. And you say, where the hell is this happening? Yeah. It turns out of the 31 toss ups, there are seven districts that went from Obama to Trump. For example, New York's 19th district, John Fazio, a Republican going against Antonio Delgado. Trump won that by almost seven percentage points. Obama carried it by six. That lets you know it's quite pragmatic. New Jersey's third district, Tom MacArthur going against Andrew Kim. Andrew Kim, the Democrat. MacArthur, the Republican. Obama got that by 4.6. Trump got that by 6.2. Uh, So that's why when we say these toss-ups, that's what it is. Now, when it comes to Minnesota's first district, there's a fellow named Jim Hagdorn, and uh, he's the Republican running against Dan Feehan. Trump won that by almost 15 points, and Obama won that by one percentage point. So that makes me think perhaps uh, those voters out there might end up sticking with the Republicans. But again, we're talking about more suburbanites, more white women in suburbs. If you look at the gender gap, it's been monitored or measured anywhere from 30 to 40 percentage points uh, difference. So white women... I think it's fair to say have been so turned off by Donald Trump, either they stay at home or they vote uh, for the Democrat to try to take the House. So there are a lot of competitive districts that went for Obama and then to Trump. For example, another one of those sort of blowout ones, Illinois' 12th district, Mike Bost versus Brendan Kelly. Brendan Kelly, the Democrat, Mike Bost, the Republican. Obama had it Uh, carried it by 1.6. That's another one. Trump got 14.8. I mean, he is doing well in certain Obama districts where Obama just kind of barely squeaked by. Well, there, we were also coming off of the uh, the Bush years. Uh, of course, because that change election. Yeah, 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 it was a change election. Well, no, this was this was 2012. Now, so this is 2012. This was for Obama's re-election. For his re-election. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that that's interesting. Yes, that's uh, why it literally went. Uh, that's why we heard this and we're like, who the hell is voting for Obama and then voting for <laughs> Donald Trump? But it happens. And that's either either the Democrats stayed home or some votes just totally flipped. I was at a bar speaking of small businesses and I run into a lot of people who 
first of all, they pat themselves on the back for voting for Barack Obama. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like the parents from Get Out. Yeah. We'd vote for Barack Obama for a third term. <laughs> um, they're like very happy. So they think that they're a spot. Uh, you know, they think that they're just exonerated from having to uh, share any blame for Donald Trump whatsoever. But nonetheless, these districts do exist. And they also go the other way. There are a total of seven districts that went from Romney to Clinton. And a lot of these, most of these are actually in California. And as I talked about the increases in uh, people who may have voted for Obama and then really loved Donald Trump, it's almost similar here with Hillary Clinton. For example, Stephen Knight, uh, the Republican, is going against Katie Hill in California's 25th district. She's a Democrat. Uh, Clinton carried that by almost seven, seven percentage points. Romney only got two. So it was an uptick. Uh, California's 39th district, uh, Gil Cineros, he's a Democrat, going against Young Kim. She's a Republican. Uh, Clinton carried that by almost nine. Romney by three. So there is a lot of enthusiasm in those areas, or there was anyway for Hillary Clinton, which makes me believe that that's why they are toss-ups and that's why uh, the Democrats have a chance. Again, we're also talking about more suburban areas that Donald Trump his, his base is not in the suburbs at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that they are. He's really focusing on your rural, on your small towns. And that's why, again, people... Um, that's why he thinks he can get away with yeah. the things he gets away with regarding, uh, you know, calling people horse face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think the, the Romney to Clinton switch is not that surprising. No, Because it's after not. all, like, Romney was, uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, a moderate. And Hillary Clinton was a moderate. Like, right. there's, there's not much, there's not a hell of a whole lot of difference between those two people. I, I completely can see that. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think that is, you know, part of, you know, when for years and years, and I think that also uh, tended to play into uh, to Trump's hands uh, for for years, everyone, mm-hmm. we all said, well, they're all the same. You right. know, well, do you want to, it's, what is that, the South Park thing, a shit sandwich or a, a douche? You know, it's, yeah. like, it's a, but we, we were drilled, it was drilled in our heads for years that, you know, it didn't matter who we voted for, right. because for a while, it kind of didn't. Oh, like, absolutely. It, and Obama, like it, Obama let down a lot of liberal leaning people yeah. uh, for, for a series of reasons. Yeah, for, they didn't think he was left enough. Yeah. But by the time it got to be with Trump, where it's like, oh no, it matters this time, it really fucking matters this time people like this one's this is real we need to show up well nobody showed up so now maybe people have learned their lesson and they see it really matters well again it's some people primary vote is up 56 percent we're at 10 (laughs) percent so it's good it's going good primaries primaries is one thing thing. uh, when it comes to the primaries some states have closed primaries or there can be uh the top uh the the two the top two system which is what they have in california where literally it could be two democrats going against each other or two republicans whoever gets the top two so each state has a different a series of rules and some of those rules or many of those rules exclude people who are undecided or people who are independent voters yeah. who aren't registered with Democrats or Republicans. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, but voting in general elections is hard enough in America. Voting in primaries is a gigantic pain in the ass. Well, just to tell you how much the Republicans or how scared the Republicans should be in California's 48th district. This is another district that went for Clinton by 1.7 percentage points, but it went for Romney by 11.7 percentage points. It is a much more red district. This is where Dana Rohrabacher is from. He's, of course, the Republican. He's going against Harley Rhoda. Now, Dana's been there for a long time. He is an establishment Republican, and they're pouring a lot of money into this race. Now, overall, 
the money is for the Democrats. The Democrats are outspending uh, the Republicans immensely in this election. There's big super PAC money. Uh, there's just a lot of cash because, again, they want to start. They want to make sure to flip the House. So the fact that Dana Rohrabacher is in an actual competitive race, it's really basically the first time in his, oh my God, he's been there for so long, 20, 30 years. Yeah. It's the first time he's really facing a real opponent. So that shows you how competitive it's going to be in some of these more purple districts for the Republicans. And that's why people, once again, are much more optimistic about the Democrats flipping the House as opposed to their ability to take the Senate as we broke down last time. So we also have the place, for example, uh, you know, we have Texas, 30, Texas's 32nd district that went for Romney by 15, Clinton by one. Those are going to be a little bit difficult. That's with Pete Sessions, a Republican, Colin Allred, a Democrat. I won't go through all of the races um, because that will uh, be extremely boring, but I wrote them all down. <laughs> I wrote them all down. So basically, where are we? So we're at 17 right now possible seats. We just gave the Democrats the 12 that are leaning uh, Democrat, and we gave them the five districts that went for Clinton and then went for Obama. So we're at 17. So of that 14 that we just broke down, where could they possibly do well? I'm just going to base this off of the districts where Hillary Clinton did did well and where Barack Obama did well. So again, going back, California 25th, almost at 7%. California's 39th district, Clinton's almost at 9, 9%. Um, so possibly those two districts. And then we have California's 45th district where Clinton was able to get five percentage points. So let's just give him, let's say he gets those three, mm -hmm. right? Because just, again, going off of the idea that Donald Trump, those are suburban districts, Donald Trump is losing ground in those areas. So that puts us up to 20. So now we have the seven districts that Donald Trump won, even though uh, in the previous election in 2012, they voted for Barack Obama. Donald Trump barely won the Iowa 3rd District. This is David Young running uh, as the Republican, running against Sidney Axney. She's the Democrat. Trump got that by three percentage points. Uh, so that's very possible that he was able to, that the Republican Party will not win that seat because Donald Trump, I think he's hurt them in many ways, and they weren't super in uh, to Donald Trump. The other districts where Donald Trump just kind of barely squeaked by, but in all honesty, in the districts where they went from Obama to Trump, Trump got four, like Minnesota's first district. Donald Trump almost got 15 percentage points. Maine's second. Donald Trump got 10. Uh, Illinois' 12th district, uh, again, 14 percentage points. So those are going to be more difficult for the Democrats to, to take. But I do believe it's extremely possible of the 14 that went from Obama to Trump and Romney to Clinton, they're pragmatic. And those are the, those are the districts where the Democrats are putting a lot of money in right now. There's a lot of momentum going in their favor. As I mentioned earlier, the generic ballot puts the Democrats at an enthusiasm of about seven points higher than the enthusiasm of the Democrats. So that is possible that they are able to pick up some of those seats and then they would end up getting to the magic 23. And of course, I'm also assuming that the Republicans in the 24 districts that are leaning Republican, that holds.
Yeah. So, but we also don't, the Democrats can't lose anything that leans Democrat. And hopefully they can peel away one or two of the ones that lean Democrat or that lean Republican. Otherwise, they got to rely on those 14 districts that are a little bit more pragmatic and a little bit more outside of Donald Trump's um, regular constituency or the constituency that he has really been playing to over the past two years. Because mm-hmm. he has definitely abandoned the 53% of white women that voted for him. Absolutely. And that all of this is dependent on uh, who comes out to vote like who who is it that's going to be that comes out on the 6th and votes like who is who in this country is politically engaged like i i've read this mm-hmm. amazing study uh it was called it's called hidden tribes a study of america's polarized landscape uh it was a yougov poll uh, 8000 person poll 1% margin of error uh so this is a pretty damn good one mm-hmm. uh and what it found was uh they did kind of a breakdown of like who are liberals who are conservatives and who who are these people within these tribes right. so it's like 8% of the country are progressive activists. Okay. That that's far left wing. And six percent of the country are devoted conservatives. That is far right wing. That's your alt alt right. That's just yeah. that's so just like, far, far right. okay. that's far right wing. Uh far left wing, far, far right wing. Uh and, and the, isn't it sad though that those two people control our narrative right now? They uh their combined voices, both of those combined voices dominate politics completely. And the thing is about them, both of them are eighty percent white. They're all well-educated, they all wow. vote, and they're all rich. Interesting. And that is who dominates our... And That's fascinating. Yeah. And then when you break it down even further, you know, uh, traditional liberals and passive liberals, that's 11% and 15%. Traditional conservatives that and moderates, that's 19% and 15%. Politically disengaged, mm-hmm. 26%. By right. far the largest... Uh, the largest category of them all. You know, that's a really interesting study, uh, and that is perfect. Who controls the narrative? It's the wealthy on both sides. Eight percent. The wealthy five percent on the, the, the wealthy, on the right. Yeah, it's eight uh, percent on the progressive, six percent on conservative. So fourteen percent of the people. Huh? Fourteen. Fourteen percent of the people. They dominate the the right. national conversation well, on absolutely everything and they are they're white and they are rich and they are educated that, that on is, both sides that is fascinating really interesting study and that's why perhaps a lot of people aren't as engaged as they should be specifically this was an interesting uh, politico survey apparently now latinos they make up at least 20% of the population in more than a dozen districts that top democrats house target list this year however they don't seem to be as engaged yeah this is really surprising of course given immigration as a cornerstone of donald trump's policies uh given his rhetoric uh regarding hispanics specifically mexicans when he, when he began uh his run in 2015 uh it's interesting now and i don't know why they're not as engaged perhaps we 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 have to remember as well a lot of hispanics uh are religious a lot of are pro-life uh, many would vote republican i believe if the republican party wasn't so blatantly against them and many do vote republican i mean donald trump did better than romney yeah. uh, for crying out loud which is kind of one of those head scratchers but yeah. it but, is what it is so and, you know and george w bush tried reaching out tried real hard a little to reach spanish out. in there <laughs> 
So when it comes to this, the highest rating on a five-point scale, two-thirds of white voters surveyed said they were almost certain to vote. That's two-thirds of white voters said they were almost certain to vote. The second highest was African Americans at 61%, but only 55% of the Latinos polled said the same about their plans for the midterm election. And I just thought that was interesting because I felt as if they might be a little bit more motivated, just given the rhetoric and and some of the policies when it comes to DACA, the removal of DACA, uh, the family separation atrocity that was on the border. I thought that they might be more engaged, but according to this poll, they are not. This is a political poll. And I'm wondering if some of them are, first of all, just so uh, feeling so disenfranchised or feeling too scared to go to the polls, or as Marcus mentioned earlier, as we had a little conversation regarding Georgia and uh, and what you have to do to be able to vote there, perhaps uh, they just feel as if, oh, they're vote- they've already been purged, so why why bother go out there and vote? And that would be extremely sad if they just feel like, well, we're so, we're so screwed, what's the point? And that's, again, as Marcus mentioned earlier, that's what they want. And when I say they, the establishment political figures who just want to be elected over and over and over again and uh, the amount of and the huge uh, corporations well I think you also uh, someone answered your your question and the uh, the explanation of that is that I think it's possible that a lot of them feel uh, completely unrepresented because if you look at the right like yes look I think socially they're down with what a lot of the right has to say you know being pro-life and that sort of thing uh, but they look at the immigration policies of the right and they don't agree with that either of course. Uh, and then they look at the left and they see it's pro-choice and they don't agree with that. They might agree with uh, the immigration policies, but they don't agree with the pro-life policies. So sure. it's very possible that they just feel completely unrepresented. And, and honestly, it's like, what what the hell's the point? They're going to do whatever the hell they want anyway. We, we talk about the blue wave. We talk about uh, how many women are running for office. Oh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, when it comes to Hispanics, talking about representation. Yeah. There aren't many. Yeah. And so and that that takes time. You have to be in the culture for a long time. You have to be multi-generational in and then you have the uh, luxury of running for office. I mean, obviously we have like a, a Ted Cruz type or a Marco Rubio, oh, oh, quite a few Cubans out of out of uh Florida, but Ted Cruz is a fucking Canadian. Uh, don't even get me going. <laughs> I watched that baby, baby, the the final debate and uh you know, I, I think that seat's it's gone for Ted, it, but it's gone. It makes uh, it makes me sad to say, but I I mean that uh, that's not to say that those of you who are in that district who are in texas shouldn't go out and vote go out and vote if you please do not consider and go that to the mixer the yeah. beto mixer will be fun it'll Free be great drinks. please still go well, out knows? and vote I mean, honestly yeah i don't who, who the hell knows yeah stranger things have happened yeah and even if it is a total quixotic uh waste of your time it's not a waste of your time if you think it's a waste of your time you're absolutely wrong because you need to go out and you need to show that there is support out there you need to scare the fuck out of them and uh, you need to and as much money as they spent on the ted cruz campaign that's wonderful that they've had to spend so much money well, on a Beto guy Beto has spent a lot more well but Beto has only spent money that is not from super PACs Beto Beto, all yes, of his money is from uh, is from single donors, and there's a lot of well, yes, that yeah. is that is he did true. Not, he, Beto did not take a single money from Super PAC. All of Ted Cruz's and money is from Super, not all, but the vast majority of Ted Cruz's money is from Super money. PACs. Yeah, um, it's, all, it, it's all corporate money, and they need to be shown 
that they are not going to that we're not going to go down easy. And that the American tried, people are not going to go down easy. Beto tried to do something interesting, investing a lot in uh, digital advertising, yeah, as opposed to just traditional television or radio ads. So there was something that we'll be able to learn uh, from his campaign. And of course, I believe he'll still go back and be a member of Congress or representative. I believe. Yeah. Uh, so just briefly here, going back to the Latino vote, this is according to Josh. Yula Bari. Now, he's a Democratic pollster. He says, quote, we're better than it was in 2014, but not as strong as 2016. And we need closer to 2016 enthusiasm levels to flip many of these seats in Texas, California, Florida and Nevada. He goes on to say among Democrats, there continues to be a fear that we're not doing enough to turn out Latinos. He goes on. He says, we've got a Latino problem and we continue to have a Latino problem. Uh, Political analyzed the Latino vote by aggregating responses to 40 House polls conducted by the New York Times and Siena College. So that is an issue with the Democratic Party. Turnout, turnout, turnout and staying on message. So let's just end when it comes to staying on message. Jobs, health care. That's, those are two great messages that you can stay on. The environment in some places uh, really has a big... Talk to Florida. Yeah. See what what just happened there Florida's. with Hurricane Michael. To, look talk to South to Carolina, Texas. Yeah. I mean, it's every every coast. Right. Um, but when it comes to messaging, this is the last thing we're going to talk about. Ugh. Elizabeth Warren did our. <laughs> she did. She did herself and the Democratic Party no favors uh, this week. No. Obviously, Donald Trump calls her Pocahontas, which is unprofessional, unpresidential, and the point that he makes is that um, Elizabeth Warren has said that she has Native American blood in her family. Some people speculate that she got a discount on college. I am not 100% sure about all of that. I know that she did co-author a cookbook called Pow Wow Chow, which (laughs) is going to come up if she runs for president. It's pretty... uh, Please don't run for president. Please, please, (laughs) please. Well, I'll tell you one Elizabeth, please don't run for president. Hey, I want to hear all the ideas. I want to hear all the opinions. But anyway, so she did an ancestry test and no one asked her to do this the pocahontas thing who care it's just trump's base that cares i don't particularly care it's a little weird that she's lying about her background politicians do that on a regular basis and i think it's bad nonetheless it's a human thing it's a weird human thing that for some reason everyone does this i mean you've got people all over the country they're like yeah i've got native american blood but because she is a political figure a national political figure it became a thing well you know it's just one of the we had a guy named uh, what was it uh, Lou here uh, who ran for uh, mayor and then we have Salazar who is a, a female representative out here. She said that she was Jewish and grew up poor and then her parents were like, no, you're you're grit, you're you're rich and you grew up Christian and it's just like <laughs> why are you what is happening? Lou, for example, the same thing. He said that he grew up in a sweatshop and his parents were you know scraping by and his parents were like, no, we grew up really wealthy. Just stop lying. Wasn't Lou the one that almost went to jail for like he, tax? I believe that he did have to spend a couple of days. <laughs> um, nonetheless, it yeah, happened. Yeah. So it, it's 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 a it's a fairly common political thing. But yeah. no reason for Elizabeth Warren to bring this up right now. Nineteen days out, just over two weeks out of the midterms. Um, basically, she took an ancestry DNA test 
And it says that she's either 164th all the way up to like one one thousandths of Native American. Wait, 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 back. Basically, I don't know why she released it as if it proved her point. I've watched many Democratic strategists on television talk about this. No one thinks it was a good idea. No. And why are we talking about it? I think. Why did she do it? And why did she play right in to Donald Trump's hands? The difference is, and some people have equated this to when uh, Barack Obama released his birth certificate. The difference is Barack Obama was actually born in Hawaii. Yeah. Like it was (laughs) just Donald Trump sounds so bad when he talks about this. Just let him let him implode. No, don't get in. This is what Beto kind of fell into going back to that last Ted Cruz debate, too. If you're not a name calling, you know, aggressive, uh, snippy type. You can't play the game because they're always going to win it. Always. Donald Trump is old because he doesn't care. Again, he, called, he just tweeted, as president just tweeted at a porn star calling her a horse face. Yeah. He doesn't give a crap. I think what she, what she tried and to she, do. And then Stormy comes back and says he has a tiny penis. Yeah. And, I mean, this is what's going on. <laughs> well, I think Elizabeth Warren uh, tried playing his game. She's like, well, you I'm going to play his game. And the thing is that she doesn't know how to play the no, game. Because it's, you have to have no class. No. You have to have. <laughs> No, you can't. You you no scruples whatsoever. Well, what it reminded me of is, uh, you know, like we were both, you know, bullied as kids, uh, and you know, and you know, when you're kind of a smart kid, and you you think that you're gonna be able to use your smarts to get back at the bully, you think that you're gonna like, oh, okay, I'm I'm gonna play the bully's game, and I'm gonna use my smarts, and all the times that he kicked my ass, I'm gonna show him, I'm gonna show him what's up, and then you bring you come up with this whole plan, and you use your right. smarts, and you show it to the bully, and the bully punches you in the fucking face, laughs, and walks off because that's what the bully does. And everyone else laughs at you as well because mm-hmm. they're like, why did you try to outsmart the bully when the bully is within arm's reach and could just punch you? Use the gift of humor. <laughs> and of course, I was I was bullied for some days and then other days I'm sure that I was I was a bit of a bully myself. I'm sure I said mean things to people in I, high school. And I, I am sorry. I said mean things as well and I wasn't bullied in high I mean, I'm talking more like, I mean, because we're not even, th- this type of bullying, this isn't even high school level bullying. This is, this oh, this is, is like is middle school. This is middle school level bullying. It's we're, honest, we're, we're like 6th, 7th grade here. We didn't even talk about... Anyway, we didn't even talk like that on a round table of gentlemen. Like Marcus, well, maybe, I don't even know. Maybe we did. Nonetheless, that was a comedic podcast uh, that involved a lot of alcohol and a lot of good times with friends. Yeah. So... No reason to get down in uh, in the muck, and I don't know why Elizabeth Warren did it. She got not, she got her name in the news, um, but it didn't prove her point. And if I would have gotten those ancestry results back, I would have burned them in a fire because <laughs> it just it proved. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I would have just gone, so, oh, and then just sort of. Not good. <laughs> and then, of course, <laughs> then she said, let and, it go. And, you know, before you, if you think that, oh, we're just being sounding conservative or something, the Cherokee Nation came out and they were very offended. Um, they, they, yeah. It's not good. <laughs> it was not a good thing for her to do. Dude, I get. By a, any stretch of the imagination. Dude, I get offended that, like, George W. Bush called himself a Texan. Right. Like, and like then, I can course, only imagine how they yeah, feel. She said her you know? grandfather had high cheekbones, which is just a, a right out of the clear. Cleveland Indians yeah. logo type yeah. stereotype. So it, like that Ted would, Cruz calling himself a t- and that and that's just like some dumb bullshit about like the location of which I was born and where right. I grew up. You know, and this is like these people's actual like 
ancestry, right, their heritage. Don't, you know? It's not like, a political like prop. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not a like that's much. That's much worse right. than George W. Bush and, uh, like going out and clearing brush at Crawford. And, of course. And, you know, we talk ah. about cultural appropriate, uh, appropriation, and I think there's a lot of it that can actually, the alt-right and strong people on the left, like people yelling at people for wearing dreadlocks and stuff, leave everyone alone. But this is an actual cultural appropriation. If you're yeah, receiving benefits, <laughs> uh, and if she did, I don't know. I heard that on a concern. I was, I that was know. on Fox News, I think. So I'm not 100. I can't stand by it. I didn't really yeah. look into it. That could be but, one of those, I think she. And, yes. Yeah. But that's what the person said, that she had received benefits uh, from in, in college because she said that she was Cherokee, and if you're actually stealing money from Cherokee, the Cherokee Nation, that is cultural appropriation, and that is a problem. Yeah, uh, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, wear topaz, I don't give a crap. Ah, who cares? Whatever, have a little fun. That's yeah. that's New Mexico right there. You Can know tote. Didn't have a single drop of Native American blood, and when I did, did my ancestry.com, that's right, you did that. One hundred percent European. No kidding. <laughs> I, I, I see it. Oh, yeah. It's pretty much just British. All right. Uh, yeah. Brit, mostly, just, yeah. Pretty much just British. A uh, little bit of German and French in there, but mostly just British with the teeth to go along. Hey, buddy. Diversity. German <laughs> and French? That's how you got to say it. You got the Huguenots. Whoa. That's, that's both the, kinds of white. The, yeah, I got, you got Huguenots and Huns and uh, all that's great. sorts of wonderful folk. Well, we had a wonderful time in Florida this past weekend. We went to Henry Zabrowski's wedding. It could not have been better. It was so much fun. Um, and I'm hanging out with Kevin Barnett and, uh, and, and my nasty girlfriend. bandage. Brooke. Oh, yes, and his nasty bandit. <laughs> Kevin Barnett, he broke his hand somehow. He didn't break, his, he had a, he didn't he break had a, his hand. He had a wart removed. Yeah, it, that's right. <laughs> and it, anyway, we shouldn't. He's not no, here to we, defend No, himself. we should. No, of course. Because Kevin's not a relative anymore. We've got to give him shit somehow. I know. Anyway, he had a bandage, and every time he tried to move his hand, it would break open again. Anyway, it was disgusting. We walk into a bar. We walk into a bar, a small business. Mm -hmm. And who do we see there but the former governor and current congressman, Charlie Crist. Oh. And this was, this was phenomenal. So I'm like, I walk in there, and... I'm like, yeah, dude, you Charlie Crist? He's like, yes, I am. <laughs> and it all is, so we have to end up having a great conversation. Uh, he ends up calling one of Kevin's friends on the phone, uh, <laughs> talks to him a little bit and be like, make sure you get out and vote. And I asked him, and you know, of course he was also, he, he's a typical politician in the sense that I asked him if he ever had a decision that he made where the opposition had something. They were like, yeah, he's like, I could kind of see it. And he's like, no, never. We're 100% right all the time. <laughs> but of course that's not possible. No. But that's a, that is uh, the ego of a politician. But I asked him, uh, who do you want to see in 2020? Uh, I threw out Tammy Duckworth's name, uh, you know, just a, a bunch of people. And he said, Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. But I thought that that was like not the best answer. Um, but he says Joe Biden. So that's that's coming from Charlie Crist, former governor and current congressman over there in Florida in um in St. Pete's. He's in the yeah. St. Pete's area. And he actually does do a lot of great things with the LGBTQ community out there. I had a chance to meet with one of their organizers, and uh, and he was just absolutely wonderful. It's it's actually a very good area yeah. in many ways. We had a great time in St. Pete's. But wonderful anyway, time. So that's yeah. just a little tidbit of information that I heard from Charlie Crist. He believes that Joe Biden uh, will run, and he believes he, he wants Joe Biden uh, to win, and who the hell knows? Joe sure. Biden is making, he's doing some more television now. He's out there in the, you know, uh, in front of the camera once again after a little bit of a break, and uh, he's talking about how the Democrats shouldn't push for impeachment right away. He's trying to be a little bit more of a moderate voice, which I'm not against as a, as a, uh, a self-avowed moderate. Um, 
And then, of course, uh, who the hell knows what happens. All but, and then, of course, the Clintons are also out in, in, in force, and there's a lot of people. Who would prefer not to see that? Ah, just everyone, all those old school folks can maybe just go away for nine, just just two weeks. Uh, don't don't do any no DNA tests. No, <laughs> just no 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 just one talking about so anything with the Clintons. No one old. talking about Biden. Just they're, go and just let's see what we can do here. They're all just so old. Anyway. Everyone's so old. Everyone that's in charge is just so old. And stop. Stop it! All right, <laughs> very well. A very mature response. Yeah, I know, I know. Stop yes, it. yes. I um, all right. Get it. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I hope it was an edutaining episode. I feel like we, I think we did it. Yeah, we I think did, we, we edutained. If you are, again, if you're a Democrat, you're in one of those 31 toss-up districts, get out there. Uh, the 14 that lean them, get out there. And if you're a Republican, you're probably going to want to vote too because it's going to be tough. The enthusiasm is on the, uh, is definitely on the Democratic side. We'll see if the, if the Kavanaugh thing, which energized both sides, we'll see how much uh, charge that battery has. Um, who, who the hell knows what's going to go down. Anyway, let's not mess this up um all right everyone well thank you all so much for listening and is that about it marcus that's Parks? about it I all mean, right everyone all i got hail yourselves we'll talk to you soon hi max i wanted to share something with you i wanted to tell you how grateful i am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one i'm grateful for how you changed your life i'm grateful for the love you have for me I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.